0: On March 16, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alameen, a Muslim leader and former Black Power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosey Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tenderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Shortly after 4 yesterday afternoon, Gaines was driving this green Mitsubishi Montero in North Hollywood when he exchanged words with another motorist. That second driver turned out to be Frank Liga, an undercover detective working a narcotics case. Liga, who works here at the Hollywood station, says Gaines then followed him, leading to a second confrontation. According to Liga, Gaines pointed a 9 millimeter handgun at him and fearing for his life, Liga shot Gaines twice not realizing he was an off-duty officer. Paramedics took Gaines to St. Joseph Medical Center where he died of his wounds. All indications are that the officers didn't know each other and this was a chance confrontation between two drivers with short tempers. It is interesting to note that the Montero driven by Gaines is registered to the estranged wife of rap music mogul, Suge Knight, currently serving a nine-year prison sentence.
1: If you really think about the shooting between Frank Liga and Kevin Gaines, I'll use an analogy a good friend gave me. Imagine being the upper-level management team of the LAPD, coming off Rodney King, OJ, the murder of an up-and-coming hip-hop star in the city, and I'm a starched white-shirt LAPD command guy about to dig into a stake at the Palm, and you get the news that two of your cops have gotten into a shootout in broad daylight. And guess what? One guy is an undercover cop. The other cop is someone who has had a bad history in internal affairs. Can you imagine the press office at that moment? you can't make this up. While the Liga Gaines incident was a fluke, it now will forever be attached to Rampart, to Biggie, to David Mack and Rafael Perez. I had to tell this story because it also sheds light on how things were handled by Chief of Police Bernard Parks and his cronies at Parker Center.
2: I gotta call the whole world because come morning the front line the headline of the papers all over the world were cop kills cop and uh, and I don't know you know like I said they go why do you think there's a problem well the problem's simple we had Rodney King which went crazy then we had OJ and OJ could be on video killing those two people and that jury would never convict them and now you got me a white guy killing a black guy. In fact, and we can get the, we'll get further to this when you, when you ask me more questions. But that was instrumental in Jim Hahn's settlement on the case, because Jim Hahn specifically told, told the city attorney Corey Brent that um, the last thing he needs, he's running for mayor, the last thing he needs is to have to go to court and represent a white guy that killed a black guy and say that the white guy was in the, in the right. Hahn didn't want to do that. It was instrumental, and Corey told me. I told him that personally. Um, So I knew the world was going to collapse, and it did.
1: Jim Hahn was elected the 40th mayor of Los Angeles in 2001. He also was the city attorney from 85 to 2001, and the only guy to be elected mayor, city attorney, controller, a true city warrior and politician. It did. So take me piece by piece. So, you know, at that moment, this is around 8 o'clock at night, 8 p.m. or so, roughly, that he's he's a cop, he's a black cop, and what are your, for lack of a better word, your bosses and your team, are they sort of saying to you, man, this is fucked up, or... Are they, are they there for you or how, how, and how are, I know, you know, this is fucked up, but are you also saying, well, this is self-defense. What was I supposed to do? I could have been dead. They knew that my boss,
2: Lieutenant, my boss Lieutenant specifically came out and says, uh, uh, I was, I was upset, really, really upset. And he said, uh, if you had to do over again, would you change anything? I said, no. He goes, you, you wouldn't change nothing. Everything would be the same. I said, no. I, I, I Woo shot him, they say. That verbal judo. Which is what we were trained back then. Which is, I would have done it anyway. But I flim flammed him. Got convinced him I was going to pull over and fight him. And then I drove away and the, the problem was solved. Not knowing he was a cop. I drove away and the problem was solved, and I got to the next leg and got stopped in traffic, and he chased me down and pulled the gun on me. I did everything possible, and when he pulled the gun on me, I, I was prepared to do what I did. That's the only thing, the problem. And then they say, well, how come he didn't get a shot off if he had you dead to rights, which he did? <laughs> and not knowing, the, not knowing the history at the time, he didn't have the intent to shoot me. I know that. For, I know that's a fact right now. I know that. His intent was not to shoot me. He had a history of pulling guns on people in traffic. I got the got the OAS report where four or five other people came forward when they seeing seeing his picture on the news and identified him as pointing guns at him and tra- at them in traffic. Exactly the same thing he did to me. Plus the '96 uh, investigation or complaint that he had at Sharifa's house.
1: That is the complex part of this story that seemingly gets lost at times. Kevin Gaines was being investigated by LAPD's Internal Affairs for a number of different offenses and bad behavior. Not to mention the connection to Sharitha Knight and Suge Knight, which remains to this day partly a mystery.
0: Gaines was assigned to the Pacific Division on L.A.'s west side as a patrol officer. His tenure, however, was not without some controversy. According to police sources, Gaines at one time attempted to file a complaint accusing fellow officers of violating his civil rights. The outcome of that complaint is not known at this time.
2: And that's another story too, where he called 911 himself, right? He was looking for a multi million dollar settlement with lawsuit with the city. He already settled it up when, when he called 911 himself in ninety six. And now we're we're a half a mile from Sharipa's house on Laker, on Kawanga, just down the hill. In fact, the phone booth he used to call nine one one was in the parking lot of where he died. He died twenty feet from the phone booth he used to call nine one one on August 16, nineteen ninety-six. Um his intent wasn't to shoot me, he, as, as, we, as we find out years later, through all this social media crap, all these his buddies that are shooting their mouth off, calling me a racist, and how oh, I knew Gaines, and Gaines knew me. It turns out Gaines didn't know me, and he hated me for whatever reason. So when he saw me in traffic, he knew my police car. My police car was a 90 Buick Reel. Every narcotic division in the city had one. We all had the same cars. He was working Pacific. Pacific had a ninety white ninety Buick Regal. We all had one. And as it turns out, they say that I that I admitted there's there's idiots that say that I admitted that I that I knew Gaines that I saw him before. Well, what actually happened was I'm working Hollywood, coming back to station, driving southbound on Wilcox at about eleven thirty at night, and uh, a car turns northbound on Wilcox to Sunset. It was a Prior. A probationary of mine from West L.A., a male black by the name of Derwin Henderson. And I'm not going to worry about laying Derwin out. Derwin is not a bad guy. He really isn't. He was not a bad guy. Uh, Derwin was running with gains. I didn't know this then. But when they turned, he turned northbound and I went southbound, we saw each other, and I, we stopped in traffic. I actually blocked southbound traffic, stopped, rolled the window down, and we talked back and forth. I said, hey, D, how you doing? Where are you now? Where are you working? How you been? Everything alright? What's going on? If I'm such a racist, why would I just stop and talk to a black officer that I I was a probationer with? Henderson had a male black in a passenger seat. And I knew it was a male black. I could see, but I, I couldn't tell you what he looked like, but I could tell it was a male black in a passenger seat. Uh, in 2014, Henderson admitted on a blog, one of those those Twitter or whatever they call them, and I got a copy. I'll, I'll, I'll get it to you. Henderson admitted that Yeah, Kevin was with me that night. And just, let's get over it. Frank didn't really. And I I didn't. There's no way. And like I said, it's like back to the gassing up at West LA. Him pulling in in a black and white. I see two black guys in a black and white. And I'm gassing up. Who's going to recognize who down the road? So as it turns out, I know for a fact that he knew who I was. And when I blew him off, originally, more than likely, what would have happened? Because he was bragging to all everybody would listen that he was being followed he was looking for that lawsuit he was being followed by the fbi and and sis was following him and surveillance and all this crap he'd go they say that he'd go up on a, on a Sharita said one time in her deposition i'm pretty sure it was her in her deposition that he'd go out and stand on the, on the out on the, on the driveway overlooking the valley and look up and see look there's a helicopter right there watching me guy's an idiot all right. So when he saw me, we we're half a mile from her house, where he called 911 that time on himself, he saw me, I blew him off. I truly believe if I would have stopped the car and got out, since he knew who I was, he'd have shot me dead right there, right on the fire sidewalk, because he was being followed.
1: Per Frank, that chance encounter between him and Kevin Gaines and Derwin Henderson might be the only time on record anyone has stated how Gaines possibly knew LIGA. And again, it makes for a nice conspiracy theory that somehow Perez and Mack and Gaines at some point were all involved in narcotics operations in different parts of LA. But what I have found oftentimes, the most simple answer is just the plain boring truth. He
2: was worried for safety and all this crap. He just shot me dead. But when I blew him off, it just drove him nuts. And he shook the steering wheel and was crazy and chased me down and pulled his gun out yelling he's going to cap me. Well, he could have shot me. He didn't. And I think truly believe the reason he didn't shoot me is because he figured that I'd pee in my pants and call for backup and chase him back to Teresa's house up on the hill and we'd have another confrontation with LAPD up on the hill. But instead... I, I ended up killing him. He never, he never dreamed for a second that I'd shoot him. He thought I was just going to pee in my pants and, and give up and cry. That's, you know, there's no way to prove that, but based on what I know today, after 26 years, that's what happened.
1: And so <clears throat> that that does clarify things, and I think a lot of rumors that went around. But let's go back. So you're there at right. the station. You got to call your family because this is this obviously is going to be on the front page of the LA Times probably national news I don't well, know it's if it's world news
2: World news in Europe
1: Yeah LAPD officer kills other LAPD officer so what what has to happen now in, in and at, at that night at that time what happens now They take
2: they take me back to the crime scene all right, and uh, Deputy Chief Don John White was there. He comes up to me, shakes my hand, and he said, uh, he goes, we knew all about this asshole, don't worry. I sent internal affairs away. Uh, Robbie Homicide's gonna handle the investigation. This guy was an asshole, we knew all about him. Don't worry about it. And I'm thinking, well, okay. If you have any problems, any questions, call me anytime, day or night. I'm thinking, wow, okay, great. As I'm standing there waiting for the robbery homicide to show up, a guy named Mike DiPosquelli, and uh, I forgot who else, a few other guys showed up. But anyway, I'm waiting for those guys to show up. And this this other guy shows up. i would never seen him before. They'll never forget him. But uh, he was a uh, commander, the Commander Narcotics Division. He's wearing a navy blue sports coat, a light blue shirt, dark blue tie, Gray pants, black shoes. He walks up to me, puts his arm on my shoulder, and says, And at the same time, we're six his hand out to shake my hand. I understand there was a radio communication going out through this. I said, Yeah, good job, good job, he said. And he shakes my hand and tests me on the back. And I'm going, Okay, dumbass, all right. So we do the walkthrough. And uh, I walk everybody through everything that happened. And we asked. Uh, I think I think Russ showed up that
1: night. In the mythology of the cover-up of the murder of Biggie, there might be a case to be made that when Russell Poole showed up that day as a robbery homicide detective, it forever altered the universe as it relates to what has unfolded until today. What if someone else was assigned to the Lagaane shooting? And unlike Russ, they didn't give a shit about the truth and were fine playing department politics. Many people told Russ Poole, just leave the controversy behind. His own partner at the time, Fred Miller, expressed more than once the hornet's nest that he was hitting with a stick. But Russ was a better man than that and all Russ wanted to do was follow the evidence leads and find the truth he didn't look at the biggie homicide as an opportunity to write a book or an opportunity for fame he looked at miss wallace just like any mother he had encountered as an investigator when someone is killed or shot you want answers you just want to do your job When I see other investigators like Greg Cading or anyone for that matter decide to talk about Russ as lost, it's laughable. Russ Poole was moral, upright. He was a real detective. I'm always traveling, always on the road, and the first thing I do whenever I get settled into a new city is I DoorDash items I know I can't live without. And it almost feels like home. Water, alcohol, a charger from my phone, snacks, food from delicious local restaurants, and breakfast in the morning because you can't cook when you're living in a hotel. DoorDash. Your door to more. So download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything from pet food to snacks to neck braces, alcohol, toothpaste, Joy-Con controllers for you gamers out there. Pretty much anything. You can get it. You must be 21 plus to order alcohol and drink responsibly. Alcohol is only available in select markets. DoorDash. Go download it. Come on. Get it done. Immerse yourself in the fascinating tale of Song of Solomon by the legendary Pulitzer Prize-winning author, Toni Morrison, a mesmerizing coming-of-age masterpiece that has captivated readers around the world. Follow the protagonist, Milkman Dead, who was born shortly after a neighborhood eccentric hurled himself off a roof in a vain attempt at flight. For the rest of his life, Milkman too will be trying to fly. As Morrison follows Milkman on a quest to uncover his roots and himself in his Rust Belt hometown to the place of his family's origins, she introduces an entire cast of strivers and cirruses, liars, and assassins, the inhabitants of a fully realized black world. As the New Yorker put it, Morrison moves easily in and out of the lives and thoughts of her characters, luxuriating in the diversity of circumstances and personality. Whether you're a seasoned reader or new to Toni Morrison, Song of Solomon is a must-read that will ignite your imagination and leave you wanting to read more Morrison. Song of Solomon, a timeless tale, that will stay with you long after you've turned its final page. Available now at com and wherever books are sold.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty sure Russ showed up. And they asked uh, the gas station attendant if uh, for the video, because his camera's overlooking the gas station. And they told him there wasn't any. That it wasn't working. So I laid everything out. We were there late. We finished up. Uh, we left. Willie Williams was the chief at the time. Uh, Willie Williams was under severe uh, attacks. Chief Parks was backstabbing Willie Williams at every, every second, every point. Everything Williams did, Parks was breaking his balls and stabbing him in the back. Because Williams demoted Parks from assistant chief to deputy chief at the time. Parks had sued and kept his assistant chief pay, but he was now a deputy chief. Which fired him up because he wanted to be the first black chief. Um, the next day, Willie calls me up, calls me, calls my cell phone. This chief, chief Williams, I just wanted to let you talk to you and, and let you know I was thinking about you. He goes, I didn't come out last night. He says, Believe me. He says, because of the. He goes, as far as I'm being under, I'm a, being attacked by the media. He said, I didn't want any of that to run off on you. He said, I didn't want anybody to see me with you where they could where they could pull any crap or pull on me and push it onto you. I mean, I thought that was pretty nice of him. And he said that robbery homicide is going to handle the case. Everything's fine. So this happened on a Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. And like I said, my bosses and my team, everybody knew me. In fact, in fact, everybody's theory at the time, everybody in the whole city that knew me, I'm a fighter, not a shooter. If I kick you, if I if I kick you in the head, and kills you in a fight. Trying to arrest you, and I kicked you. I broke your arm, or I broke your leg, or back, or whatever. If I hurt you physically through a physical confrontation, everybody go, yeah, that's what I got. But for me to shoot somebody, this man, something really went down for him to shoot him, because I didn't shoot anybody. I had the opportunity to shoot people throughout my career all the time. I don't, I don't really. I was gonna, I was
1: gonna ask that prior to that incident. Did you have any other um, firearm discharge in all of your work, undercover narcotics?
2: Yeah. In November of 1994, my partner and I were in uh, in Rampart Division on a street called New Hampshire, north of Hollywood Boulevard, on the third floor of an apartment building. Uh, we had a clue that they were doing dope out of that apartment. So we're there knocking on the door. Boom, 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 trying to get in, knocking on the door, flim flamming our way. You know, we're playing clothes. We're trying to flim-flam our way in, get the door open somehow. Nobody answered the door. So we gave it a five minutes, whatever, and then we walked down the hallway. So the apartment building had an open courtyard. Every floor had an open courtyard, open to the courtyard, and railing. So we go down the hallway, probably 35, 40 feet, and we're leaning on the rail, looking out over the courtyard, think, trying to figure well, how are we going to handle this, what are we going to do next. So I hear something. And I turned to my left and I looked down at the door and there's a guy at the door, at the door we were knocking on. So we figured, what the hell, we're here. He already saw us, so we pull our badges out around our neck, got our badges out. We're walking toward him. I'm speaking in Spanish and my partner's speaking in English, talking to these, not telling this guy. And as we get closer, the guy was wearing a, uh, a Serape. I never heard the term Serape before. It was a poncho, right? And I told the shooting team, it looked like a Clint Eastwood movie, literally did. This guy's in the doorway and he flips his right arm up and he pulls something up and there's this black tube pointing at us. And I said to my partner, Butch, I says, Butch, I think that guy's pointing a shotgun at us. And no sooner say it, and boom, he fires a round off. We were 28 feet away. He shoots around. So I screwed up. I screwed. I admit I screwed up this time. We're trained. We're in a four-foot hallway, concrete hallway, right? Uh, Because I was on the right side, which was on the left side. We're fairly good-sized guys, both about the same size. Like I said, I'm 5'10", about 240, 250. He's 5'10", about the same. And we're in a four-foot hallway. We're shoulder to shoulder. So I go down to one knee, and I come up weak-handed because I was on the right side. So I come up left-handed and uh i got a 6906 which is a smith and Weston nine millimeter and i fired a first round is firing boom boom i fired the first round and i got a malfunction what happened was because i fired weak-handed left left-handed the magazine release is on the left side and i guess in a gunfight when uh when somebody's shooting at me with a shotgun i squeezed the grip a little bit too tight with my left hand and i unseated the magazine In a Smith and Weston, when you unseat the magazine, it didn't fall out when it unseated. What happens is the trigger goes spongy. So I had a malfunction. So I said, Butch, I got a malfunction. I tapped and racked. You tap the the magazine, make sure it's secure. And I racked a new round in. And by now, this time, Butch had fired five times. And I could see what was happening. We were 28 feet away in a hallway straight, straight on, no, no angles. We were hitting about a foot. We were hitting the wall about a foot in front of them, and the, the nine millings were skipping off the wall. So they hit the wall and they skipped off the wall and basically went around them, six inches around the body. And they hit, them. We hit a. We had a fire hydrant at the end of the hallway. Uh, I could. I saw that happening when when I came up for my second shot. So I tried to poke the round through the door, through the door corner, the corner of the doorpost. So I shot the second round, and uh, the door opened up. You got. It turned out to be two guys there. They got into the apartment. So we called, called the SWAT team. They got him out. Um, they threw the shotgun off the railing into the driveway three stories down. They flushed probably five or six kilos down the garbage disposal. and We got about 10, 10 grand or so on the porch. Uh, how I, when I say I screwed up, is I screwed up by going down on my right knee and shooting weak-handed. It would have been a, if that happened today, it would be a dynamic entry. Dynamic. My gun would have been my my cover. I'd have pulled up, strong-handed, and I would have attacked them. I just shot and, and closed the distance and just shot as I got as I got closer, and we'd have won. But because we stopped and I got, went down on one knee, that was that was a dumb thing to do. That'll never happen again. But I take the blame for that. Um, otherwise, that was that's the only other time I shot anybody. I've never I never even seen anybody get tased I've, to this day. I've never seen a live tasing with a, with a taser. I get so, a guy with a
1: baton once. As you do this walkthrough, hey Frank, as you do this walkthrough, you're getting word from you know Deputy Chief John White. He's like, Hey, this is gonna be fine. Willie Williams calls you. Are you are you kind of thinking, oh, they realized that this guy was a was bad. He obviously was carrying a gun, threatening you. You're, are you sort of, or you, or is there a part of you going like, when is the other shoe gonna fall here?
2: No, I was feeling pretty good that night. Feel pretty confident that the city was gonna back me up. Uh, the next day, I was ordered off. Anytime you're in a shooting, you you're off. So I had a day off. I they sent me home. I was off off uh, Thursday. That was Wednesday. Thursday, I went to see this department psychiatrist. Because if anybody in the shooting has to be cleared by the the site to go back to work. I was cleared Thursday night. Friday, I went back to work. So Friday, I'm in the field working five in the afternoon. My lieutenant calls me, or my secretary calls me and says, uh, the lieutenant wants you in the office by 3 o'clock. Be here at 3 o'clock. Okay. I get to the office. The commander is now there. And the commander tells me, I'm taking you out of the field. He goes, you're no longer to have any public contact at all. We're gonna sign you home. And I go, well, why, what's the matter? I just got cleared. You have a bad package. I said, what do you mean I have a bad package? You have a bad package. You have 40 uses of force. I said, yeah, okay. So 40 uses of force is quite a bit, but not in the context. Like I said, I I was with one shooting in 94. uh, I never hit anybody with a stick. I kick people. I use most of my use of force are body weight, wrist lock, twist locks, few punches, few kicks, pepper spray. I pepper sprayed a lot of guys. But at the time, I was the only guy in our squad that carried pepper spray. Everybody, nobody else carried it. I was the only one that carried it. And I asked the captain one time. I said, Hey, what's going to happen? to Everybody, every time I pepper spray somebody, what's going to happen with the use of force stuff? Well, I don't know. That's probably going to turn that turned into use of force. So when I got interviewed. I told them, I said, they're asking, they're talking about 40 uses of force. I said, I said, they're all minor uses of force, wrist lock, twist lock, pepper spray, a few kicks and punches. I says, I arrest a lot of people. These guys don't want to go back to prison. They want to go to jail. We have a bad package. All right. Um, What happened was the day after the shooting, Parks, in charge of internal affairs, ordered my package audited for racial content.
1: So, so, back uh, up to that, I want to ask a question about that. So, at that yeah. time, Willie Williams is the chief and Parks is correct. the head of internal affairs, correct? Correct. Okay. Yes. So, as the chief, Willie Williams, him and Parks are at at war, pretty much, right? And, That's what rumor and, has it, yeah. And Parks really wants Williams' job, for lack of a better word, right? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so as head of, of as head of IA now, Parks starts to take your history as an undercover cop and go, "Well, now I'm going to start looking at his, for lack of a better word, investigative history." As it relates to racial dynamics?
2: Yes. They got my personnel package and they put out the broadcast looking that I was a racist.
1: We'll get we'll a radio get station called let's, the fuck. let's we'll get to that part, but let's let's take it one step at a time. So Park starts looking at your file. Okay? Now right. is
2: he he the, Paul Vernon did it.
1: Is he the final decider in what's gonna happen in the outcome of this incident between Gaines and you? Yes. Okay, so he. Bucks uh, starts-
2: never ordered. Bucks uh, never ordered Gaines' taxes audited. Never looked at Gaines. Gaines had a history of a major history of all kinds of racial stuff, theft, um, all kinds of crap, and then the nine one one call in 1996... Did you know that that investigation was never even started until after I killed him in March? They only have a year to do it. Internal Affairs didn't even start that investigation until after, I think in April of 1997, after he'd been dead a month. Gaines had a history of his personnel complaints disappearing until the statue ran out.
1: So I where that
2: came from, I got no idea.
1: Yeah, that actually brings up an interesting point. So if, if Parks was... In internal affairs, at that period of time, he probably would have known all the shit that Mac was doing. He probably would have known all the shit, the shit that was going on in Rampart. Correct?
2: You would think he would. Yes. Uh, Parks' motto was, "I'd rather fire than arrest." Parks did not want a black problem on his ship. That's why Raby became Raphael and Sammy became Samuel. Parks did, want to, did not want a black problem. He, had, uh, he fired a whole bunch of black cops. He really did. He fired cops all left and right and let him resign because he did not want a black problem on his hands. In fact, there's a Channel 4, I got a copy of it on a VHS tape. I got to get transferred over. The Channel 4 News back in 97, Parks came out, or early 98, Parks came out in the news and said, we know we have a a racist problem with LAPD. One more white racist doesn't make the news, meaning me. And they did everything in their power to turn me into a racist. And they weren't able to. They never could. I mean, the the media did. Guys like Stallworth, uh, Henderson, and Bentley did. The activists did. But the department was never able to turn me into a racist.
1: So let's keep the story chronological, when Park started to look into your IA file or look at your file in general, did you start to become worried at that point?
2: Well, I didn't know what he was doing then. Yeah, I, I was worried. When it became, when I found out he was a cop, and, uh, and uh, the, the commander, well, I said the commander took me out of the field. So, right that night, I called John Williams on the phone because Deputy Chief White told me, call me any time, I, mean, I got your back. So I called him right up, and uh, he wasn't there, but his adjutant they had him call me, so he called me later that night. And his first word was, I thought I made myself clear through the chain of command. I said, what are you talking about? You have a bad package. No, I don't, I says, he goes, yeah, we can explain it away, but the optics is bad the 40 use of the forest, which makes you look like you're out of control we have to bury you we have to cover you up
0: Los Angeles police officers talked among themselves outside Crenshaw Christian Center as outgoing Police Chief Willie Williams and two Police Commission members slipped into a side door and traffic cop Deshaun Horton wonders out loud what really happened to his friend 31 year old Kevin Gaines a six-year cop who died by the bullet of another cop Frank Liger, who claims Gaines drew a gun at a traffic stop last week. I'd like to know the whole thing. What happened? Just like you would and anybody else would. What happened?